Welcome to Kramer Says. Kramer Says. Be part of the show at KramerSays.com. Interact on Twitter at KramerSez. Now, Kramer Says. Welcome to the show. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. It is Monday, February 3rd. Let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, let's look at what the, um, what's been going on over the weekend. And yes, we're, we're going to get to the UFOs. But let's talk about some issues that have come up here recently that, well, it's, it's more concerning for, uh, for a number of different reasons. And that's our freedom of speech. And what, we, what we've learned over the last two years is that our freedom of speech is always on the line. That's one of the first things that they're willing to take away from us. That's one of the first things that they're willing to limit because they know that most people will relent and, and go ahead and, and do what they need to do, which is keep their fucking mouth shut if they want to keep their job, if they want to travel, if they want to go to basketball games or football games or do whatever they want. They'll do what the government says or the government will clamp down on them and say, no, not only can you not speak, but now you can't do all these other things. So, so that's where we are in the nation. That's where we are as a country right now. Um, and with that being said, it, it's, it sounds even more dangerous when you're hearing that free speech, and this is from the New York Times, warns that freedom of speech threatens public health and democracy itself. Uh, this coming from a paper here <laughs> that has uh, has not been right about a lot of stuff over the last two years. But but let's talk about how they're they're saying that your freedom of speech is a threat to others' health or to democracy itself. Um, from the, the the magazine Reason, the paper is unfazed by First Amendment objections to Biden administration crusade against misinformation on social media, saying the paper here is all in on on censoring if it's governmental censoring and if they if they align with the government now. I want you to just imagine for a moment the amount of hair lighting on fire there would be if if Trump had tried to do anything that the Democrats, the social media platforms, the the, the social media pundits, the, the the mainstream media pundits that they've advocated for over the last two years. And, and keep in mind, there was a group of people in the Democrat Party that thought that you should be put in a camp if you were speaking out against the government. There's a group of Democrats, up to 28%, that said that your child should be removed from your care if you spoke out against the government, in particular if you spoke out against vaccines and you spoke out against the treatment for COVID. If you spoke out against that, you should lose your child. 28% said, yeah, yeah, we think you should be able to put them in a camp. So it's it's really disconcerting when you hear the um, Surgeon General come forward and say that your freedom of speech is a threat to public health. Let's get into the article here from Reason. Uh, it goes, are federal officials violating the First Amendment when they pressure social media companies to suppress misinformation? Yes, that is a violation of your constitutional rights. They don't even have the right to suggest it. it, it it's illegal for them to even suggest that what you're doing or what you're saying should be limited in some way. Hey, man, can you do us a favor? We, we don't like what they're saying about us over here. And by the way, for those of you who say, well, Trump did it too, we've heard that. That accusation has come out. And if he did, it was wrong of him too. I don't care who the fuck is doing it. Two wrongs don't make a right. What they're both doing is wrong. That's why these hearings that Congress is having, in particular Jim Jordan is having with the DOJ and the FBI, that's why it's imperative that we find out how involved are the people in our government, the people who we've given some authority, 
a little bit of borrowed authority over us, how long do we allow them to use that in a tyrannical form against us? Because we're the people. We rule this country. It's ours. I want to remind you of that. When it says we the people, it doesn't say anything about government there. The government has no fucking rights. Their feelings, um, what they fear, uh, doesn't matter. The Constitution doesn't say anything about the government. It doesn't protect the government in any way, shape, or form. It protects we, the people, us, you, me. That, that's, who, that's who the Constitution protects. It tells them, government, the state, capital S, that no, you can't do this shit. These are their rights. Regardless of what you think as a human being or what you think as a government official, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. They have these rights, regardless. That is the question posed by a federal lawsuit that the Attorneys General of Missouri and Louisiana filed last May. New York Times reporter Stephen Lee Myers warns that the lawsuit could disrupt the Biden administration's already struggling efforts to combat disinformation. Uh, why are they having such a big problem? Well, because they're fucking liars. They keep telling lies. They're battling information, not disinformation. They're battling information getting out. It's, it, it, it's, not, it's not my son Hunter's laptop. Uh, did you ask him? No, I didn't ask him if it was. I didn't have to. Those people over there told me it most likely is Russian disinformation. It's called the earmarks of a, a Russian information campaign. So why should I ask them? 51 experts said that's probably what it is. Well, you could just ask your son. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I've already asked them. And, and they've told me that it's most likely not his laptop. You know, all you have to do is ask your son. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And how dare you? And how dare you, if it turns out to be his laptop, utilize that against me? Why would you leverage that against his daddy? I'm a, I'm a politician of 47 years. Look at all the great things I haven't done. <laughs> it, it, when you listen to it and you play it through your head again of what we've been told over the last, well, I don't know, two to three years, um, we've been lied to time and time again. The New York Times has lied to us. The New York Times has been an, an instrument of disinformation because they hid the story about Hunter Biden's laptop. They're the ones that were silent on the issue. They said the, that it was the other way around. They said that it was, it was Russian disinformation and, and you can't spread that because those are lies. And what do we find out? Well, last week, what Hunter said was, that's my laptop, and how dare you use that information against my dad? My dad's going to come get you. He's going to file lawsuits against you because you used private information that had nothing to do with you against my dad and against me, and you have besmirched our reputations. No, what we've learned is we've learned that everything that you said that was wasn't true, was true, and everything that you said was a lie is now truth. I mean, you see, we have a real, we have a real problem here. And then the New York Times come out and they say, well, hey, guys, you, you, you can't trust people with that powerful weapon of free speech. They may use it against their government. They may use it against their government officials. That's, that's what it's there for. What they're crying, you might not believe us. Well, well quit telling us lies. You see, that's the problem with government. Government, over the last two years in particular, has told us so many fucking lies, we don't believe anything they say anymore. We didn't do that. You did that. The government did that. You did that to yourselves. So when 
the New York Times says that free speech is a threat to democracy. It's not. Free speech and democracy are fucking tied at the goddamn hip. The threat comes to politicians, not democracy. The politicians are under threat. Why are they under threat? Well, because they've done some shit that we don't like, and we may kick them out. And yeah, that, that's a threat. That's why the Surgeon General of this country is coming forward and saying that. Surgeon General worries that the First Amendment, oh, I'm sorry, this is the, um, the author of the, um, but it came from the Surgeon General initially. Um, this author at the New York Times says he worries that, quote, the First Amendment has become, for better or worse, a barrier to, barrier to virtually any government efforts to stifle a problem that, in the case of a pandemic, threatens public health, and in the case of the integrity of elections, even democracy itself. I'm going to read that again because they're saying that free speech is a threat. How many people do you think would be alive today if we had been able to speak over the last two years and they hadn't been given remdesivir? How many people, if you're, if you're a physician out there and you're listening to this, please chime in. Please let us know. By the way, I do some, have some housekeeping information coming up soon that's going to make this uh, program go in a completely different direction. Uh, super excited about that. But, but I want you to answer that question right there. Uh, and the reason I, I interject is because soon you'll have the ability to call into the show. You'll be able to have a um, play a role in the Kramer Says podcast as we go live. So l l let me ask you, how many people do you think, if you're a medical professional, how many people do you think would be alive. We've learned what remdesivir does. We we learned that from the 80s with the AIDS crisis that Fauci was also in control of and pushed remdesivir as the answer. Remdesivir is a highly toxic poison to the human body. Primarily what it does is it makes you drown in your own fluids. You die of pneumonia is basically what happens. Your fluids fill your lungs and you fucking drown. That was the that was the solution for for COVID. If it got bad enough, we knew then, people were saying then that it was the wrong thing to do. So if we had had free speech during that period, if we had been able to speak freely during that period and doctors had been able to come forward and doctors hadn't been um, derided and, and doctors hadn't been belittled and doctors hadn't been silenced, threatened with their licenses, how many more do you think would have come forward and say, listen, listen, guys, this doesn't work. We, we've already learned these lessons. Let's try something new. Let's go to ivermectin. Let's go to hydroxychloroquine. Let's utilize the drugs that we already know work against this type of virus. Let's utilize those first. Instead of going into an emergency use, why didn't they do that? Well, because of big pharma. And that's exactly what's happening here with this article. That's exactly what's happening with this author. And that's what's happening with our Surgeon General that, well, the Surgeon General claims the same exact thing, that your free speech is a threat to other people's health. You asking questions is a threat to their health. You wanting to make sure that you're getting the best treatment, that you're getting what's best for you and your family, that's a threat to everyone else. Does that make any sense at all? It does not, because that is tyranny. Do as you're told, do as we say, don't fight back about it, or, or you're the problem. Uh, I, I've said this once before, and I'll say it again. Life has not changed since seventh grade, and mean girls and bully on the play, bullies on the playground. It hasn't changed. The tactics are exactly the fucking same. Do not question. I'm the big chief on this playground. You'll do as I say, or you'll end up on the ground. That mentality is the same mentality that they're using today, folks. From the article, again from Reason Magazine, 
There's no denying that when people are free to express their opinions, no matter how misguided, ill-informed, or hateful, some of them will say things that are misleading, demonstrably false, or decisive, divisive. That is true. The First Amendment, nevertheless, guarantees their right to say those things based on the premise that the dangers posed by unfettered speech are preferable to the dangers posed by government attempts to regulate speech when it perceives it as the public interest. You don't have the right, a government official or otherwise, to tell me what I should deem important and force that on me. You can give me all the information on the planet. You can tell me, hey, you, you might want to take a look at this and see if it makes sense for you, but you can't force me to do dick. You don't have the authority. Neither do our politicians. Again, I, I want to remind people, our politicians are just our neighbors that we gave jobs to so they could take care of the things that we don't have time to take care of because we're working. We're building the tax base for them to be able to run our nation, to run our city, to run our state, to run our county, to run our township. That's what their job is. Their job has nothing to do with telling me what I can and can't eat, what I can and can't drive. By the way, did you did you watch the push last night, the big push for EVs on the, on the Super Bowl? Not one car ad on there that wasn't an EV. You think that was done by accident? Go back and take a look at it. All the ads were for EVs. They don't want to advertise. That's the new thing of ESG. Again, something else that we're getting to, into here on the Kramer Says Podcast. We'll be talking about that shortly with some guests that are really into this ESG and understand it a lot more, more in depth than I do. So we'll be talking to them shortly. Um, let's, um, let's move on from this. Um, we'll talk about the Super Bowl here in a, a moment. Let me, let me get some, uh, some housekeeping out of the way real quick. Um, KramerSays.com, if you, if you haven't joined, KramerSays.com is the social media platform that I've built personally. Uh, it's currently right now uh, a Facebook-like experience, and it's just a place to have set up to where you can be around like-minded individuals. We welcome all, but the majority of people there are conservatives. Uh, and why? Well, because when the liberals show up, they they try their shit. And since nobody's there to protect them, they get their feelings hurt or whatever, they run away. Now, we don't allow name-calling. We don't allow the, the bullshit that goes on in other social media platforms, right? You don't get to use racial slurs. You don't get to, peep, get, get to peep, call people names and be a troublemaker. But if you're in a debate... Um, you've got the, the freedom and, and the, the latitude to, to, to go as wide as you want on a subject, as deep as you want to go on a subject, showcase all of your, com your, your, uh, your comments and, and your, your sources. And if somebody else can't stand up to that and they, they call you a name, generally racist, misogynist, fascist or whatever, and then they leave, well, that gives you the opportunity to win. Right, you can showcase the, the entire argument. Uh, you will not get banned for free speech at KramerSays.com. So C R A M E R S E Z dot com. Now, here's the thing: in the next few weeks, we're going to be adding merch, um, and I've had a big problem with people doing merch for themselves to pay the mortgage, or they put their face on something, and it's for them to pay the mortgage. Um, we are building the Kramer Says app right now. It is groundbreaking in what it's going to be able to do. It'll have a Venmo-like type um, uh, cash trade capability. You'll be able to transfer for cash back and forth. You'll be able to buy things through the system through this this cash transfer process. Um, you'll, you'll have all kinds of different... Uh, you'll have Tusk built in, the, the search engine. So as you're on uh, the Kramer Says app and you want to go look for something, you don't have to go out to Google and, and, and see what they'll give you. 
You can go to Tusk, and Tusk is the first free speech browser. They're now building out their search engine, so it'll be embedded as well. Um, it really is a, a different way of looking at social media. So uh, all the merch that we sell uh, through KramerSays.com, all the proceeds will go directly into the um, building of, of the Kramer Says website. So I'm not taking a dime of it. Uh, it's, it's all going to the to the development of the actual app, and we cannot wait to get that out. We're hoping by by June, July, late fall that the, the new app will be out and, and available. So if you get a chance, uh, go sign up at KramerSays.com. Get yourself an account. It has to be active, but anybody who is active when we actually release the, the new app, uh, the, the mobile phone app, when we release that app, anybody who's active on the website, that means posting on a daily basis, and you have to post on a daily basis. We can look at all of it and see all of it. If you're there, when we go to, when we go to the, the new app, you'll be verified automatically. Anybody who's on the Kramer Says app before and is active before we launch, they'll automatically be verified on the new system. So there you go. Uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, what a train wreck that was, huh? Did, did you watch it last night? Uh, my wife wanted to watch it. I'm not a big football fan. I, I, well, I'm not a big sports fan. I'm not much of a joiner. I'm a coach more than a joiner. I, I don't want to play. I did play, um, but I would rather be a coach. I, I see the, the ways of winning as opposed to being the muscle behind it. Um, but that game last night, what what a train wreck. And I felt sorry for the Eagles. Um, my wife fell asleep during the middle of it. She got me hooked. I ended up watching it. That second half for Mahomes, uh, what an amazing second half. But, man, the calls against the Eagles, they just could not land the calls. You know, they're, they're telling you that having your having your hands on a ball as you go out, he controlled it enough not to drop it when he hit the ground. And that's, that's not possession. Um, but it's all right. It's all right if you touch somebody on the back. That's if you touch them. On the back, you don't have to grab them. You touch them on the back, and and that's a that's a foul. But again, it was Maricopa County. What else were you expecting? I mean, come on. Um, have you seen? Let's talk about this deal with AOC. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Well, I am actually going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, AOC here recently, uh, last night during the Super Bowl, made made the following tweet. And, and I want to show you what her tweet was. T take, take a look at this. Um, something tells me Jesus, Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Now, why would she say that about Christianity? Well, because there's an attack on Christianity right now. You've seen it. And we've most recently learned in the last week or so that the FBI, well, they don't like Catholics. In fact, they think Catholics could be terrorists. You see, the same thing exact the same exact thing happened. The same exact kind of treatment happened against Christianity prior to the rise of Nazism and throughout the rise of Nazism in Germany. They have to attack belief structures. They have to attack your faith. They have to make you think that they're the new god. In fact, Yuval Harari already says that. He says that their, their new tech, that that's the new God. What was, what was uh, AOC so upset about? What, what triggered her so heavily? Well, it were the ads that were the Jesus ads that were played during the Super Bowl. Here's one of them. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove 
prove it, so maybe I'm lying. Take a look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see it clearer, or are you deceived? In what you believe? Cause I'm only human. That was the ad that triggered AOC. We, we've got a problem in our nation right now, folks. And, and she's at the tip of the spear of it when, when talking about being one of the instigators of it. Her and her ilk, her and her party, her and her ideology are the problem. They keep pushing, 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 pushing. They say it's us. We just want to be left alone. We want our children to be left alone. But what are we told? We're the problem. That's an ad that triggered AOC, aligning it with fascism, Nazism. Think about that, that we should love each other. We should be able to get along. And that there was one person, according to the Bible, that loved everybody. I didn't know Jesus. I, I'm going to take the, 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 the book's word for it and assume that that's the case. Because I've met those people. You've met those people. You've met people in your life that... Um, I've got a, a joke I tell people all the time is that <laughs> there are some people in my life that I love to hate. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is I love them to death. Uh, I, I, without them in my life, my life would not be as rich. Um, but they're so nice and they're so kind that there's nothing that you can hate about them. And I just don't trust people like that. <laughs> I've said that for a long time. Uh, I've got a few of them in my life. There's there's one uh, man by the name of Gary Havens. Gary Havens has been a mentor of mine my entire life, uh, my entire career in broadcasting. He's a liberal. We do not agree at all. Still a, still a great mentor in my life. Uh, another gentleman by the name of Barry Donovan. I haven't talked to Barry in a long time. Barry, um, or Jeff Scaff is his real name. But Barry was a top um, top 40 radio morning show DJ in Indianapolis for a number of years at WZPL. One of the kindest people on the face of the earth. Nice guy. Makes you feel worse about yourself because of um, of how kind he is and how kind they are. i uh, got a number of people like that. Betty Neely was another one. Uh, for those of you who knew Betty Neely from Indianapolis, she, uh, um, just a sweetheart. Uh, when, I, when I say these names, these are names for some people. These are private people. Uh, Betty has, uh, has since passed away. Uh, but I think it's important from time to time for for people to to talk about who's important in their lives and why they're important and, and what advice they've given. There's a advice I got a, a number of years ago from um, a gentleman by the name of Bearman, who was a morning show host, uh, I'm sorry, Afternoon Drive, uh, Q95 in Indianapolis back in the 80s. He was my boss. And he told me one time, he says, Kramer, he says, uh, I, I'd been given an opportunity. Now, I didn't see it as what, for what it was. And he told me, he says, Kramer, he says, opportunity doesn't always knock at the front door. And it doesn't always knock real loud. And he was right, because that opportunity that was given to me, um, once I put it into, he put it into context for me, I was able to understand how important what I'd been offered was and worked my best not to fuck it up. So that's why important people are important in your life. But for, for AOC, she says that if Christ is important in your life and that you will align yourselves with the teachings of Christ, 
that you do try to love everyone, that you do try to do the right things, that you do turn your cheek, that that's the same thing as being a fascist. They have to tear apart your faith, your love, your beliefs. They have to make you believe that they're the only answer. That's why we're seeing all this bullshit that we're currently seeing going on. Emergency after emergency after emergency. It's a plan. It's their plan. And by the way, um, <laughs> it's not new. They've been doing it for a number of years. Rahm Emanuel finally let the American people know that what was going on because he says, hey, you can't waste an emergency. Never let an emergency go to waste. Well, that came right out of um, Rules for Radicals. You read the book. That's a rule book. I, I, I read their books. You see, I, I read what the left is doing, what they believe. I, I, I read that shit. Why do I read that shit? Well, because I want to know what they're thinking and how they're thinking and what they're doing. I've got rules for radicals. I've read it several times. Uh, Hillary Clinton wrote her dissertation on that, of how to destroy a nation from inside, how to do it with a smile on your face, how to do it and blame the other side. Have you seen them doing that? They always say that, well, whatever they're saying, that's what they're actually doing. But that's what the fucking Democrats, that's what Klaus Schwab is doing. He told you he's going to reset the planet. He's not fucking lying to you. That's what he's got in mind. And why is Christianity, why is Christianity such a threat to that? Well, it's simple. Because people who can believe in Christ, people who can believe in Hindu, who be, Muslims, whatever you can believe other than the state, they don't like. That's why when Russia did what they did in the beginning of the 19th or the 20th century, what China did mid-century during the 20th century, who were the first people that they purged? It was the Christians. They're still doing it today. They're doing it with the Uyghurs in China. They've enslaved them. They cannot have a group of people that think for themselves and think differently and think that there's a higher power. Fei Long Gong is, an, I think Fei Long Gong is, an, is another one that, that is persecuted throughout China. They always have to attract, they always have to attack the system that people believe in. When government has lost its ability to, to govern and people have lost their faith in, in other people, they always turn to spirituality. And the state can't have that. And so you saw that happen in Russia. You're seeing it happen in China right now. And you're seeing it happen in, in our country where, where the FBI says that Catholics are a potential terrorist threat. Uh, folks, here's the thing. Our government, the only rule, the only thing that our government has to do, the only, the only thing, the only mandate that government has, um, county, city, state, whatever, uh, federal, there's one mandate. That's it. Protect our rights. Protect our individual rights. That's it. That's their only... It's not education. That, that's, that's not a mandate from the Constitution. Um, it's not dictating what you can and can't eat, what you have to put in your body, right? What you can and can't smoke, what you can and can't imbibe in, what, what you can and can't drink for, for enjoyment, what you can and can't smoke for enjoyment. None of that is listed in the Constitution because those are all individual rights, individual freedoms, We've allowed our governments to become Karens. And there's a point at which when you allow, well, a certain group of people to realize, well, wait a minute, if I, if I get into government, if I get into government and I get in high enough power, I can tell a lot of people 
to do things that I think that are important, that are important to me. And I can start, you know, I, I don't like people smoking. I think it's bad for them. By the way, I do too. But that's not the point. It's not my right to tell you, well, Kramer, th but that's it. We're, we're, we're trying to stop the bigger harm to society. Not your job. That is not your mandate. There, there's no nothing in the Constitution that says you get the right to choose how people lose live their lives. Why, If you want to save lives, why don't you go after people who, I don't know, climb the sides of mountains without any gear on? That, that's, I, I think it's far more dangerous and an immediate threat than smoking for 40 years. Well, but th that won't harm anybody else. It, that isn't causing anything to our insurance systems. It, it's not the same, Kramer. It is. Individual freedom is individual freedom. If you give him the right or her the right to climb a fucking mountain without ropes because that's what gives them joy, then why would you say that that person over there can't do the same thing? Well, I think I've already made my point. You have. You're a Nazi. What about drinking and driving? Drink and drive all you want. Just don't cause anybody any harm. If you get into a wreck and you kill someone, well, we've got to stop that. You haven't, have you? People still do it. It still happens. But a whole business has been made out of the DUI industry. We got into that several years ago on, on, a, on a piece that we developed for a client. It was amazing the, the, the money that has poured into that system, that has become a, a, a machine, no different than Planned Parenthood. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers are now one of the biggest um, they get more money from the state for drunk drivers. So it actually behooves them. It actually benefits them for people to drive drunk because they don't get anything from uh, their, uh, the, the, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, donations, the contributions don't come in like they used to. So they rely, majority of their money comes from the fines and the fees that are paid by DUI. So it actually benefits them to have people Drinking and driving. You don't see mothers against drunk drivers in these other groups utilizing those dollars and putting them forward on TV saying don't do this or billboards saying don't do this. They don't initiate programs. No, they're there to tell you what you've done wrong after you've committed the crime. The crime of being drunk while driving. It's a business. It's a racket. And they're not going to stop it now. It's a cycle. They can live with so many people a year. That's eh, acceptable. Yeah, we're gonna, every once in a while we're going to have somebody who dies. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're not going to, uh, we're not, we're not gonna, <laughs> I, it just makes me, I just, I just, it makes me lose my mind when I think about it. Right. But it's, it's just one more stepping. It's one more stepping on your rights. It's one more way of, of stepping on your rights so they can tell you what they think you should do. And eventually what happens? Well, they get to the point where they think that they can tell you what you should and shouldn't be able to believe, what what you shouldn't be able to say, and they're going to align what you have to say with fascism, just like in this ad here. This is the second Jesus ad that ran during the Super Bowl that, that triggered AOC so hard. What's wrong with that message? Be more childlike. Be closer to God. Now, I'm not what you would call your typical Christian. I was raised in the church. My dad was an evangelical minister. And I, um, 
I saw enough of how church works behind the scenes, the politics of church, to know that I didn't want to be a part of an organized religion. Now, people from time to time had had an issue with that. You can go fuck yourselves. I don't care what the fuck you think. My relationship with God or the creator or the universe, whatever, is mine. You have nothing to be a part of that. I don't care about you, what your opinions are. And you see, when I can divide that, then I can do that in everything else in my life. I can tell you to stay out of the rest of my life as well. Because I don't give a shit what AOC thinks. I don't care if she thinks that it's close to... I don't care. Her opinion means nothing. She is nothing. She's less than nothing. Because she's one of the reasons that we're in the situation that we're in currently. I, I can't... I cannot allow her to to air her opinion and give her any voice whatsoever because I don't care. She's proven time and time again that she's so fucking stupid that she doesn't have the intellect to, to, to talk about these subjects clearly without going off to some tangent and thinking that she knows more than the people who've actually lived it. Listen, are there radicals in Christianity? Yeah, there are some radicals in Christianity. Do I agree with them? I do not agree with them. But that doesn't mean that they're not correct about some things. I, I've said this time, I, the people who, who, get, who, who lose their shit when I say this, it, it cracks me up, uh, is that people always, they can't, they can't acknowledge that, for example, there were some good things that Hitler did. What? Oh, my God. How did you say? Sorry, there were. The roads in Germany, Eisenhower said that was one of the best things that man had ever created was the, the freeway system. That came from Eisenhower. And he said that we've got to do the same thing here. So pre-1945, we, we didn't have any interstates in this country. There was no 65. There was no 70. Uh, there was no 40. There was no 95. There was no, no 05. There was no uh, 91. There's none of them. Not a single one. There was county roads and, and some state roads, state highways that led from one part of the state to another, but no interstate highway to get across the country quickly. Eisenhower said that that one thing is what allowed Germany to move so quickly throughout Europe was their their road system. It allowed them to get uh, supplies and men and so on out to everything. We didn't have that. We do now. So when people say that you can't say that, Kramer, well, yeah, yeah, I can. One thing that positive that came from the Germans from that that area that era was how to build highways the way that we build them today. They started that process, the engineering behind it. Do, do, I, do I take what they did? No, what they did was horrible. It was one of the hor most horrific things on the face of the earth. But to say that there's no silver linings at all in, in, in what happens, I mean, we have to say the same thing about Rome. Do you think that Rome was any different at the time than Germany? Do you think that what Rome did when they went out and became the Roman Empire and took over the majority of Europe, went into to Southeast Asia, Southwest Asia, do, do you think that do you think that they were looking at themselves as Nazis or no? We, we look at what they built. We look at the cement that they built. We look at the roads that they built. We, we look at all, we, we've, we've moved past what Rome did far enough to be able to say that, yes, there were atrocities. The things that the Romans did to the Christians and the things that the Romans did to the people that they went into battle against and, and just how inhumane they were as a fighting. Yes, but we also got good stuff out of it as well. And that's what the left can't take. They, they want to throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. Am I advocating for Nazis? No. I, I think that 
All of that stuff was negative. We don't want to return to that. But that's where the left has gone. That's where they've gravitated. It's not the conservative movement that wants to silence people. And, and if people are along that ideology, if you're a conservative and you think that you have the right to silence someone because you don't like what they have to say, then you're not a conservative. Being a conservative is, is just like being a liberal, right? And when I say liberal, I mean a classic liberal, not this progressive bullshit that they've got today. And by the way, liberalism is not the same as uh, being a, a, a libertarian. Uh, this, what they call being liberal today, they, they've stolen that from the libertarian movement. Being a liberal means the government should have very limited powers on you on a daily basis. Today, you can go out the door and break up to 400 laws without even knowing it. Just walking outside your house, there's 400 different laws that you could break just getting out to your fucking mailbox. And you think I'm joking. I'm not. There's so many different ways that you can break laws, and that's that's what it's all about. That's not that's not uh, liberty when when. You can walk out your door. I mean, look at what we've had in the last couple of weeks. We had a, a reporter that was reporting on the incident at uh, the Ohio pipeline, uh, the railroad uh, derailment. Think about that. He was arrested for for speaking. Oh, there's more to that. No, no, there's not. The authorities got pissed off. They told him to shut up. He wouldn't shut up. So they arrested him. That's freedom of speech. Our sheriff's departments, our police departments have no idea what the fucking Constitution is. And then what happens is, is that the system says, well, we can't let him go because if we let him go, well, we'll have egg on our face. So we, we can't do that. So, so what do we have to do? Well, we got to keep pressing. And, and so now we got to put more charges on him and we're not going to relent because we'll look bad. That's the system that we currently have, folks. Justice and liberty, freedom, all out the window. doesn't matter. The system's gotten too big. You hear about us talking about banks that are too big to fail. Government has gotten too big to govern. It's gotten too big to fail. They don't understand it. Joe Biden says that they just saved Americans $1.7 trillion in deficit spending. Show me where. Because they just spent $1.7 trillion. That's how stupid they, they think that you are as the American people. So these things that have, that have triggered um, AOC, these, these ads that have triggered AOC, have triggered the left, um, you're going to have to grow some thicker skin and start telling them to fuck the fuck off, all the way off, completely off. Because if you don't, well, the FBI, they're going to come over and they're going to break, break down your door if you're a Catholic because they don't believe that you should have the freedom of speech or freedom of movement because you're a potential terrorist threat. Then... You've got the IRS. IRS now planning to go after uh, tip workers' tip jars. When President Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act last year, the White House touted how the bill's $80 billion in new funding for the IRS would make our tax code fair by cracking down on millionaires, billionaires, and corporations that evade their obligations and don't pay their fair share. In fact, that's what Joe said the other day, that the billionaires and trillionaires aren't paying their fair share. But who are they going after? Not the billionaires and trillionaires. Not the millionaires. They didn't care about them. Why? Well, because I'm one. I, I have an accountant. I don't, I don't deal with that shit. Joe deals with that shit. I don't, Joe's my accountant. I don't deal with that shit. He and his company deal with that. I go to sign stuff. This is what you need to do. This is here. This is here. This is how much you have to pay. This is your quarterly payment. Got it. <laughs> sign it. Send it off. I don't do that shit. 
Do you do your own taxes? That's who they're coming after. They're not coming after guys like me. They're coming after people like you. It now appears that some of those resources and some of the coming crackdown on tax evasion will quite predictably be aimed at individuals earning considerably less than a million dollars a year. This week, the Treasury Department and IRS announced plans to overhaul existing programs that track tips earned by service sector workers. The new Service Industry Tip Compliance Agreement, SITCA, program will take advantage of in, uh, advancements in point-of-sale time and attendance systems and electronic payment settlement methods to improve tip reporting compliance, according to the IRS. Of course, workers who earn more than $20 an hour, I'm sorry, of course, workers who earn, earn more than $20 in monthly tips are already required to report their tips to their employers, and those tips are supposed to be included in tax data sent to the U.S. or sent to the IRS. But a lot of that money never finds its way into the government's hands. As part of the announcement on Monday, the IRS highlighted a 2018 Treasury Inspector General report that estimated $166 billion in tips went unreported during the 2016 uh, tax year. Now, let, let's look at that. Is $1.6 billion a lot of money? That's a lot of fucking money. Is it a lot of money to the government? It is not. That wouldn't even cover one part of the wall in, in the southern border. Trump was going to need $6 billion for that. So, so it doesn't do anything there. And it wouldn't make a dent in the money that Joe sent to Ukraine. And what are they going to do with that $1.6 billion? Why do they need it so badly? Do you think it's actually going to go to the deficit? No. No. It won't go to the deficit. It's just no longer in your pocket. That's who the, the Biden administration is coming after. That's who the IRS is coming after. That's why there's been a, a recent call for the dismantling of the IRS by the right. Sorry, I I took some pills this morning and they're I keep belching up the, the pills. So <clears throat> excuse me for a moment. I, I gotta drink some water. I can't get this pill thing under <laughs> under control. So we said when they hired the you know the new 87,000 IRS agents that they were touting that they were going to be able to hire when they said that they were going to be doing that we said at the time that well this is going to be a problem and they're not coming after millionaires and billionaires they'll go after you and everybody says no 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 that's crazy and a lot of you believed them saying well why would they go after us we don't have any money they don't care they want to know how little you spend down to 600 bucks if you sell something on eBay they want their fucking cut it's like uh, what was it pay me um Fuck you, pay me. What was that uh, from uh, Goodfellas? The, the business burned down? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you're only making $600 a week? Fuck you, pay me. That's the government. They're the strong arms. They're the mafia. You haven't realized that yet? That's exactly what they are. And, and you better shut up, and you better fly right, and you better do as you're told, because they'll be upset if you don't. Uh, a new article uh, that came out, uh, this is from Reason again. We've gone to Reason a couple times today. Uh, this is concerning the pandemic. A scientific let me start this over again. A scientific review shows the CDC, you know who those fuckers are, right? Uh, shows the CDC grossly exaggerated the evidence supporting mask mandates. I'm gonna let that one sink into your brain there for a moment, and I'm gonna read it again for you. Um, kind of what we were saying for the last three years, that the evidence didn't support the mandates, and we were told that <laughs> you're not scientists, you're not doctors. No, we had common sense because we read the side of the packages where it says it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. It will not protect you from viral spread. That's what the side of the packages said. N95, is, is it better? It is better. 
but it only captures 95%. That's what the 95 in N95 means, that it only cap captures 95% of dust and particles. That sounds impressive, 95%, but that's dust and particles. If you read on, ask, if you, if you go down and you look in the, in, the, in the instructions, what does it say about viral load? Uh, it doesn't protect you. Even an N95 mask does not protect you from viruses because they're too small. They are not dust. They are not particles. They are 180,000 times smaller than dust and um, air mites or, or any of that kind of stuff. Any of the mites, any of the dust, any of the pollen, they're 180,000 times smaller than that. So no, they're going to get through the mask, no problem. So let's read this article off. I thought it was interesting. Um after questioning the value of general mask wearing early in the COVID-19 pandemic, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, decided the practice was so demonstrably effective that it should be legally mandated even for two-year-olds. A new review of the evidence suggests the CDC had it right the first time, that they were wrong. It does not work. That review, published by the Cochrane Library, an authoritative collection of scientific databases, analyzed 18 randomized control trials, RCTs, that aimed to measure the impact of surgical masks or N95 respirators on the transmission of respiratory viruses. It found that wearing a mask in public places probably, probably makes little or no difference in the number of infections. I'm going to read that again. The study found that wearing a mask in public, place, or public places probably makes little or no difference in the number of infections. These findings go to the heart of the case for mask mandates, a policy that generated much resentment and acrimony during the pandemic. They also show that the CDC, which was repeatedly or has repeatedly exaggerated the evidence in favor of masks, cannot be trusted as a source of public health information. So this goes back to what I said earlier. They put out information, they put out mandates, they, they put out this data, and they say, this is the science, trust the science. And people did, and it didn't work because it's the eighth grade child on the playground saying, here, eat this sand sandwich. I made it from pie, I made it from sand from the, the parking lot. Eat it, it's real, eat it, it's good. And, and there are a number of Americans that, that took that shit sandwich, that dirt sandwich that that little girl had made, and they were eating and going, ah, tastes, tastes awesome. It's great. That's, that's what so many people were. And then when you realized, well, wait a minute, <clears throat> masks don't work. Um, that's a dirt sandwich that they're eating. And you say, hey, listen, I, I, I know masks don't work. Right, they've never worked for that purpose. That's that's not what they were made for. Um, they were made in surgical units so you didn't get fucking shit in your mouth and you didn't abs accidentally uh, drop spittle into an open wound as you were operating on it or working on it. Th that's what the surgical mask was was, was used for. Um, I know that, and I know that that's a dirt sandwich. So no, I'm not doing that shit. And then they turn it around. You're the problem. You're you're the troublemaker. That's why they can't allow information. That's why they can't allow free speech. Because if you have the ability of free speech, you can speak out against this shit. What scares me is that so many of our medical professionals didn't utilize their free speech. They didn't utilize their voice. They were so afraid of being mocked or made into a scapegoat or, or they would be unemployed. Far too many of them just went along with it and kept their fucking pie hole shut. Just like the people that 
lived around the concentration camps in Germany, in Poland, Czechoslovakia, just like, just like those people. These findings go to the heart of the case of mask mandates. Again, I'm going to read this one more time. These findings go to the heart of the case for ma mask mandates, a policy that generated much resentment and acrimony during the pandemic. They also show that the CDC, which has repeatedly exaggerated the evidence in favor of masks, they can no longer be trusted. By the way, this is just one of the lies that they told during that per period. In September 2020, then-CDC Director Robert Redfield described masks as, quote, the most important, powerful public health tool we have, end quote. He claimed masks provided more protection against COVID-19 than vaccines would. I I'm going to read that again because I think it's important, again, for you guys to fully understand what we were being told and what was really happening on the ground. In September of 2020... We're at the height of this thing now. People are really scared shitless. Then CDC director Robert Redfield described masks as, quote, the most important, powerful public health tool we have. He claimed, that's end quote, he claimed masks provided more protection against COVID-19 than actual vaccines would. The evidence is clear. Redfield's, I'm sorry, I gotta read this uh, as quoted. Uh, quote, the evidence is clear, end quote. Redfield's successor, Rochelle Walensky, insisted in November of 2021 when she uh, veered that wearing a mask reduces your chances of infection by more than 80%. Three months later, the CDC claimed a study it published had shown that wearing a mask lowered the odds of testing positive by as much as 83%. Isn't that strange? She predicted it. They came out with an ad or they came out with a study that says that's exactly what we found. These statements were based on two sources of evidence with widely recognized drawbacks laboratory experiments in stylized conditions and observational studies that do not fully account for variables that affect virus transmission. RCTs are designed to avoid those problems by comparing disease rates among subjects randomly assigned to wear masks in real life situations with disease rates in a control group. They didn't do any of that shit. They used instrumentation. They didn't use people. They didn't see if anybody got sick. Well, Kramer actually doing that would mean that people might get infected. Yeah. Yeah, they might. If masks don't work, that's why they didn't use people. They wanted to show that masks worked. If they if they use people, it would show it would showcase that hey, the the, the masks the masks don't work. Uh, let's talk about the last subject today. This will be the last thing that we talk about. Um, we're being invaded by UFOs, right? That, that's what we're supposed to believe now. That's what we're supposed to believe that uh, UFOs are headed our way. And uh, <laughs> that E.T. is going to step out and go, hey, what up, motherfuckers? Listen, if, if aliens have any, any, any doubt whatsoever about stopping off of this planet, it was, it was, they know better now. After the last two years, they're skirting by this. I can just see that the UFOs, they're getting close to the planet and they, they go, uh, is, that, is that Earth? That Earth? Earth? And let's get the fuck out of here. We're in the wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. Jesus Christ. We're supposed to believe, uh, and, and this cracks me up. I'm, I'm going to go into a number of different things here that I, I've thought about over the weekend. We're supposed to believe that our military, um, and I want to tell you about the excuses they've had over the last few weeks. Um, we're supposed to believe that our military can tell you if a missile uh, is coming at you from 8,000 miles away and they can't see a balloon coming at us? 
They, they can't tell if there's a balloon coming at, you know, 200 miles an hour. They can see a, a supersonic missile coming at us and say, you got eight, eight minutes to live. But they can't tell us that there's a balloon coming at us that's the size of a car or bigger. I think one of them was the size of two city buses, right? They, they can't track that. I, I find that hard to believe. And then they said, well, the same thing was happening during Trump. We just didn't, we didn't, you know, recognize it. We didn't see it. What do you mean? You've got records of that? No, no, no. We just know that based on what's happening now that it, it probably happened during Trump, too. So you're telling me that as the military that you, you were failing at your job then, too. That, that's what you're telling me. Not that you just let it happen, what, six times now? Seven times? I think there's seven talking about, what is it, 99 luffed balloons? Hey, we're down to 92. We've only got 92 more balloons. Nina was right. She warned us. She tried to tell us that the Chinese would send those red balloons at us. But do you honestly believe that our military didn't catch that stuff? No. I, I can't see how our guys are that inept. And then, then we're led to believe that we have aliens attacking, that they're not going to discount that. Folks, I'll close with saying this today. Um, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, and those Republicans that are involved in these new investigations that are diving deep, as Gomer said the other day, uh, Comer said the other day, sorry, um, that it's going to take two years to get to the bottom of what this administration and our federal government, the bureaucrats, the unelected officials, how they have been violating our constitutional rights. Their bosses have been doing the same. I want to be real blunt. If we find out that Trump had anything to do with any of these actions, uh, we got to string him up and fry him too. By the way, that's figurative legal speak. That's not an actual call for a lynching of anybody. Dangerous times we live in that we have to explain what we're talking about. Folks, to clean our country up, we've got to think about our country first and party last. I don't care who's involved with any of the corruption. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I want them all to be held accountable. Who harms children? I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. I want them to be held accountable. Those who lied to us and caused lives to be lost during COVID because they were trying to push a certain narrative, yes, I want them to be held accountable. Those that were part of the, the steal of the 2020 election. Yes, I want them to be held accountable. Those that just played a part in, in the election in, in Arizona that went so horribly wrong. Yes, they should be held accountable. Regardless of party, regardless of ideology, they should be held accountable as fucking Americans who didn't do their job right who failed at it, who lied to us on a regular basis so they could forward, they could move their narrative forward. Are you tired of being a part of a narrative? Don't you just want to wake up one morning and say, hear the news go, well, nothing weird happened today. The politicians went in and said, we don't see there's any reason to pass a law today. We're not doing shit and all went back home. Wouldn't you look forward to that time? Listen, I would pay, I'd be willing to pay these politicians $400,000 a year to, to never meet again. You just, you, you just go away. We'll give you a $400,000 a year the rest of your life. You never have to worry about dick, but you can't be in charge anymore. And you know what would be amazing is how many would take it. 
Because for them, that's all it's about. It's about the money. That's what it always comes down to. Money and power. You know, I, I think it's interesting that the left has painted this picture of how dangerous we are, how dangerous the right is, that we're all white nationalists. And um, that comes as a shock to those uh, in, in our ranks that are not as pretty white-skinned as I am, our darker compatriots of all ranges of skin color, that we love just the same because we don't look at them that way. We don't talk about people... I, it's funny. I don't know all the names. I, I don't know all the different ways you can describe people. I just say, hey, that's that's a fellow American there. I don't care what fucking color you are. You want, you want to have a picnic and and, and roll a, a joint in the backyard and have a couple beers? I'll, I'll be there with you. Kramer, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, I, that that's the way I roll. That's the way I've been my entire life. I was raised that way. I'm a Gen Xer. We played with everybody on the block. We didn't know that we were supposed to hate them. No, we had to be taught that. We had to be taught that by our school systems, our politicians, some ministers. Yeah, that's what we had to be taught by. So with that, I'm being saved by the bell. i got to take this phone call. Thanks so much for joining me. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. My name is Kramer. We will be back tomorrow, or as soon as we can. We will see you again shortly. Get more at KramerSays.com. KramerSez.com.